Welcome to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, welcome back to the No Neutral Moments podcast. My name is Patrick Payton. It's an honor to spend this time with you. And once again, just want to go through kind of a litany of thank yous. And I want to begin with thanking so many of you who have been listening, who have been downloading this podcast, who have been passing on this podcast to your friends. We so much appreciate that. Just a reminder, we're really in kind of what we would call a beta phase of testing this podcast and Really enjoy your feedback on how we can make it better and things we can do better, things you'd like to hear about. Maybe you can go to the noneutralmoments.com website, take a look at that. We'll be building on that as we prepare for more of a public launch later in August. And for those of you who have been supporting, who have asked how to support, continue to look forward to you reaching out. And again, just a a really huge thank you to Tyler Dodds, Joe Ayler. All of them are so busy with their careers at Stonegate Fellowship, at Second Story Shared Working Space that's new here in Midland. Couldn't do it without their, their friendship and uh, the limited budget we have to try to help them get things paid for. But um, anyways, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. And this, let me just kind of bring you up to date as to how I got here. So I'm going through notes, I'm going through notebooks, I'm looking through material, trying to figure out what's going to be the best thing to to talk to you about in this week's podcast. And I, and I have these two big white notebooks that are just filled with notes. Well, there's more than two of them, actually. Over the years that I've collected information and, and you know, just stories, you might call some of them sermons, you might call some of them just leadership material, And I was just reviewing some of those, and it's really late Thursday night, and I was reviewing these, and I came across something that, if I were to take you back, way back around 2008, 2009 is when the first time I sort of shared this story. So some of you, this might be a review, and as soon as you hear what it's about, I hope you don't turn it off. For others of you, this might be new, and really it's just a story. It's a true story, but it's got some principles about how you perhaps walk into a new life of freedom. And so I hope this will help. I have entitled it, I entitled it a long time ago, The Yellow Bike. Uh, You might call it My Yellow Bike. And let me just get into the story and I'll take you through the story and then I'll take you through three or four things that I want to encourage you with because I think you'll hear the lessons as I'm going through the story. But anyways, if I take you back to when I was a kid, and this is back in the 70s when things were, when music was really good and um, everybody was wearing bell bottoms and um, silk shirts and everybody had long hair. This is when, you know, mullets weren't out yet, but everybody had long hair. And, and way back in the 70s, I had the opportunity when I was in elementary school to get the gift of a bicycle that might have been the coolest bicycle ever made. As a matter of fact, when I first started thinking about this story many, many years ago, over a decade ago, I started looking online to see if I could find this bike, if it was out there anymore. And so you're like, okay, great. What kind of bike was this? And, and you know, I was, I was raised loving dirt bikes. And this was back in the day when people started customizing some, some dirt bikes. And it was way before X Games and all that kind of stuff. 
But one day I got a Yamaha bicycle. Now make sure you understand, not a Yamaha motorcycle, but a Yamaha bicycle. And some of you are like, what's a Yamaha? Well, it's a brand. Don't get too caught up in that. But I get this bicycle and let me try to describe it to you. It's yellow. It's this beautiful race yellow. And some of you guys are going to understand what I'm talking about. No insult to the ladies, but I'm going to give you some of the details. Essentially, if you took a motorcycle that was raced in motocross or off-road and you took the engine out and you put pedals on it, and so you were the engine, that's the kind of bike this was. It had suspension. It had big old forks on the front that looked like motorcycle forks. It had shocks on the back. Here's a big term. Some of you will know what this is. It had a swing arm. I mean, it was literally a dirt bike without an engine. And and now you got to understand, I had for our little block, and our little block was kind of like Sandlot where I lived, where it was a group of us friends. We did everything together. We ran around together. And I basically had the coolest bike in the neighborhood in this particular place where I lived. It was by far the best until my best friend Kyle got a mongoose bike that was a tad better than mine, but didn't have all the stuff that mine had on it. And we were basically our own little miniature gang of cool with our bicycles. Kyle with his mongoose, me with my Yamaha, and we did all kinds of stuff. You know, we were doing all the stuff that everybody does. We were popping wheelies and all that kind of stuff. But I would also, because I thought I was Evil Knievel, some of you don't even know who that is, I would set up a ramp and I would line up my friends. I would bribe my friends. I guess to say they were friends is a bit of a stretch. But I would lay them down on the concrete like Evil Knievel used to line up buses and things that he would jump. And I would race down the sidewalk and I'd jump over my friends and, and you know, just this huge, fantastic, you get the story. I mean, it was amazing. This all started in one particular summer. It was just this glorious, this glorious summer with this amazing bike. And when I think about it, you know, I... We rode them to school. That's when you could ride your bike to school, and that was a cool deal. And so, you know, we rode fast. We were cool. I was doing things that other people could not do on a bicycle. And, you know, Kyle and I, we rode everywhere together. We'd ride over to his house. We'd go over to my house. We'd go down to the park. We'd ride around on the dirt. We'd do everything. And and I took care of this bike. This is how special this was to me. I washed this thing. You know, I lubed it and and took care of the chain and treated it like it was my own motorcycle. I was fixing flats. That was back in the day when you actually did that. I was changing tires to make sure I had good knobby tires. If you don't know what that means, look it up. You get the point. I mean, I had this amazing bike, and and really, it was it was my identity in many respects. And this is not so much going into this pure identity discussion, but follow me because this is what happens. So the summer is over, and part of our summer was we would go to this this pool in our neighborhood, and it was kind of the neighborhood membership pool. You had a card to it, and this was back in the day when they still had high dives, and we again, we'd take our bikes and all this kind of stuff. And then um, we're going to the end of summer. Really, summer hadn't ended, but we're, we're near the end of summer, and I ride my bike to the pool, And then um, one day when I walk outside, my bike's gone. It's stolen. And and I never locked it up at the pool because we knew everybody. Everybody knew who everybody was. There was a fence around it that you could see everything. But here I am. I ride my bike to this place called the Cherokee Pool. And all of a sudden, I walk outside after a day of swimming, and it's gone. And, And I was... 
a wreck. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe that this piece of me, I mean, this, this, this defining thing was gone. And I looked around and, you know, I'm trying to be tough, but, but I'm crying. I can't believe it. Now I got to walk home trying to explain to my mom. I don't know what happened. My bike has been stolen. This was the kind of thing that happened to other kids. It didn't happen to me. This was the coolest bike in the neighborhood. So anyways, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And I wake up the next day and you got to understand going to our pool was a daily affair. You know, my mom went off to work, raised by a single mom. So I would, my sister and I would go to the pool every day. So now I'm not riding anymore. Now I'm stuck on my two feet. So a week or so goes by, might've been longer than a week, but I am still walking and I haven't found my bike, haven't seen my bike, haven't seen anybody riding in and around in the neighborhood and I'm just crushed. So fast forward, I'm going to the pool one day. And I'm taking a different route home and I leave the pool. And as I'm taking this different route, there was this particular brown house around the corner from the pool. And I never went that way. This sounds like a television show, but it's really true. I never went that way because I never wanted to walk by the brown house where I knew the bully of elementary school lived. And you can already probably see where this is going. And as I'm walking around the corner, I can see it as if it was yesterday. I walk out the pool. I take a left-hand turn out the door of the pool. I get to the street. I typically go right to go towards my house, which was about a mile away. And instead, I go, I want to go left. And I'm just going to go around the block instead. You know, probably a mournful walk of wishing I had my bike, my beautiful yellow bike. There's the bully's house. And I do a double take because as you can already guess where this is going. My yellow bike is sitting in his yard. Now, I am across the street because I just told you I didn't want to walk by this house. It was it was spooky to me. It was scary to me. I knew the bully lived there. So I was across the street. And I look over there, and there's my bike. And it's not up on its kickstand like it's supposed to be. It's laying in the yard. It's dirty. It hasn't been taken care of. And it's just it's just in a kind of a heap there in this guy's yard. And I got a decision to make. And, and so I have the discovery, there's my bike. And now I'm struggling with what to do. And I'm literally standing there across the street, staring across the street, thinking to myself, that is mine. Like that is, that is my bike. So I'm already going through what to do. Cause you know, in my mind, I'm a little elementary school kid. I'm thinking if I run over there, there's probably a trap door in the yard. I'm probably going to get trapped. I'm going to get stolen. I'm going to get whisked away. My mother's never going to see me again, all for my bike. You know, going through all these things, I'm going to get beat up and, and whatever might happen, but that is my bike. I stand there, it, you know, as a little kid who's, I guess, probably in about the fourth or fifth grade at this time, I'm contemplating for what seems like an eternity. And this is what I do. I just look around. I look left. I look right. I look all around. I can still hear people at the pool because just maybe 200 yards to my left is the swimming pool. And I just make a decision. I'm like, I'm going to go get my bike. And so I I literally am just standing across the street. I check the environment again. I'm looking over at the bully's house. I'm thinking, okay, can I do this? So I just break out into a sprint. I run across the street, grab my bike out of the front yard, jump on the bike, pedal like crazy, hoping everything still works. And I don't stop pedaling till I get back to my garage. And I'm telling you, my heart is beating out of my chest. I remember this like it was yesterday. 
And as soon as I get there, I take it in the garage, I make the repairs, I put a little extra effort to get it back to where it was this beautiful thing that was mine. And man, I was back. And, and here's the funny thing. I started riding it to the pool again. And then when September came around, I was riding it to school and the bully was in the same grade as me. And he knew, he knew I had Okay, let's put it this way. I had stolen my bike back from him. And I would say this, I had liberated from him what he had taken from me. And then I just, I got my bike back. I mean, I was riding it to school. Well, I did say this, I did buy a lock. I bought a chain to put around my bike at this time. And I didn't have any conversations with the bully anymore. But then we just continued to enjoy the days with our bikes. Myself and Kyle would go on neighborhood rides. and, And really... That was the last bike I ever had. Truth be told, that was the last bike I ever had, but I never forgot the lesson and I never forgot what it changed in me. So you say, well, what's the point of that story? Well, here's the point of that story. I have been talking to you about your value. I've talked a little bit about your values. I've talked about how sometimes we make what we value the most or how we consider what we consider to be our value, our job and other things. But every one of us have a born, what I would call a born identity. And and we have an identity that is really special because there's no other you. You are the you that makes you, you. And you're born with a sense of destiny. You're born with a sense of hope. You have an identity. You have a belonging. And who you are is really your yellow bike. I mean, it is your treasured possession of who you are. And you, you might even remember a time when you took care of the yellow bike that was you. I mean, you took care of yourself, whether it's eating right, exercising, taking care of yourself spiritually, speaking to yourself with good words, really affirming who you are. So begin to get this picture in your mind. The same way that I'm talking about this yellow bike that I had, and I treasured it, and it it was very important to me is who I was. And and I'm asking you to reflect upon the issue of, do you remember something very precious to you that's more important than a bike, but something internal to you, something spiritual to you, something relational to you? And where I'm getting at is many of us who are listening to this podcast and many others that we know can go back in our lives to a place when some bully stole something that was very important to us. And sometimes the stealing of that is because we failed somewhere. And so now we just believe we're done. And our life sits over in the bully's front yard now, and it's never going to be what it was supposed to be, and it's never going to be ours. Maybe it's an ongoing struggle that we have, and we have this struggle because somewhere in the past, someone said something to us, and it crushed or wrecked the yellow bike of your value and who you are and what's important to you. Maybe it's a toxic relationship. What I'm getting at is almost every single one of us have one or two or maybe three things that we look at and something very valuable was taken from us, done to us caused us to feel less about ourselves, or even if you want to take my story to heart, caused us to be afraid and to think we could never get back what was rightfully ours. And for many of you, 
Whatever that issue is that makes you feel of less value, that you wish you could get that back, that you wish that had never been done to you, or whatever that issue is, you've been standing across the street, so to speak. Just draw this picture in your mind with me. You have been standing across the street, looking across the street, day after day, week after week, sometimes for years, and thought, I ought to go back and get what's mine. I ought to go back and claim what is mine. And a lot of this is very figurative. And I'm asking you to think deeply and spiritually and soulish with me. But you and I have oftentimes been afraid to just, quote unquote, walk across the street, face down the bullies in our lives and say, that's mine. You're not going to keep that anymore. You're not going to do that to, to me anymore. You don't have a right anymore to steal that from me. That is mine. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to clean it up. And I'm going to claim what is rightfully mine. And I'm asking you today, what is it in your life that you have to just go get it? It's time for you to just, and sometimes going and getting it is going across the street and looking at it and saying, you're not going to do that to me anymore. And I'm leaving you and I'm leaving this and I'm leaving this situation because you're not going to do this to me. And there's a huge act of bravery to stop looking across the street and finally deciding to say, I'm going to go get that. You're not going to, I'm not going to believe what you've said about me. I'm not going to let that define me anymore because whatever the thief has stolen, you're now going to go back and say, you don't get to steal from me anymore. That is mine. Now, listen, as I finish this podcast up, you're going to have to creatively think and imaginatively think. And I would even say you might have to deeply think inside of you. What was your yellow bike? What is it that's been taken from you and you need to rightfully go back and get And this might unpack some things that you might have to go talk to a pastor about. You might have to go talk to a counselor about or even a therapist about, whatever it might be. But I want the story of me having this amazing possession that I cared for, that was mine, that that it was a part of who I was, however goofy a bicycle story is. But somebody stole it. And when I found it and realized that's mine, and I have the right to go get that. And I'm going to rescue that part of me as goofy as a bicycle story is. And I'm going to take it home and I'm going to clean it up and we're going to get back to what's mine and the freedom of who I am, the liberty of who I am and the value of who I am. So I hope you'll take some time to think about your yellow bike or maybe pass this podcast on to someone you, you know, just keeps looking across the proverbial street and they need the courage or the encouragement to just go get it. My name is Patrick Payton. This is the No Neutral Moments Podcast, and I can't thank you enough for taking this time to listen, to subscribe to this podcast, to rate the podcast, and to help us as much as you have. I hope we're helping you as much as you have helped us. God bless, and have a great day.